After spending almost four parakim discussing the mitzvah of peah, the mitzvah to leave a corner of one's field unharvested for the poor people to come and cut it off the ground and take it for themselves, the Masechah is going to spend the next few Mishnayas, the last ones of this fourth parak, and then most of the fifth parak, discussing Leket. And Leket, as we have mentioned in the past, are individual stalks which fall down during the harvest. And it's a mitzvah to leave those for the poor. And it's specifically individual stalks. If lots of stalks fall in a group, we'll see how many exactly later on. But if there are lots of stalks which fall down together, then the owner can keep those. It's only if individual stalks fall down, one or two of them, then he has to leave that for the poor. So the Mishnah asks, Ezo leket, what is considered leket? Hanusha bishas haketsira, that which falls down at the time of the harvest. Meaning, that at that exact time that you're doing the harvest, you're cutting down the produce, you're detaching it from the ground, a few stalks fall to the ground. And as well as being at the time of the harvest, it also has to be as a result of the harvest. But if the reason why the stalks fall down is because of some external factor, then it will not be considered leket. And the reason for this is because the Torah says, leket kitsirachalaisalakait. The leket of your harvest you shall not collect for yourself. And we learn from there that only if the leket fell as a result of the harvest is it considered leket. So the Mishnah is now going to give an example of one such external factor. If the farmer was harvesting his crop, and the Mishnah is now going to list two different ways to harvest crop. The more regular way, which was used for most types of grain and most crop, was if he harvested a handful. Meaning, he would use one of his hands to hold on to some of the crop, and use the other hand to use an instrument called a sickle to cut through that produce which he's holding with his other hand. That's method number one. Method number two was tolash malay If he uprooted a fistful, and this is where he would basically uproot certain vegetables planted in the ground using his hands. So produce like onions would be harvested in such a manner. So if the farmer was harvesting in whatever manner he was, and during the harvest, he co-kites. A thorn hit him, and it hurt him, and as a result, for Nofamayodalaoretz, a stalk fell from his hand to the ground. So in this case, the reason why the stalk fell was not because of the harvesting process directly, rather it was the external factor of the thorn. And that's why he dropped it. And therefore, Harihushabalabayis, the stalk still belongs to the owner, and it does not go to the poor because it is not considered leket. Now the main instrument used for harvesting was called the sickle. And this consisted of a handle with a blade attached to it, and the blade was shaped a bit like a hook. It was moon-shaped. And like we said, the farmer would use one hand to hold onto the crop, and with the other hand, he would cut the crop with the inner part of the sickle, the inner part of the blade. Now for something to be considered leket, it has to have fallen as a result of the harvesting, but as well as that, the harvesting has to be a regular harvesting. It has to be the normal way that something is harvested, which is using the inner part of the blade of the sickle. So if the stalks fell from within the person's hand, meaning from the crop which he was holding, the soichamagal, and from within the inner part of the sickle, meaning he harvested it in the normal way, and then a couple of stalks fell down, those stalks go to the poor people because that is leket. On the other hand, if the stalks which fell down were behind the hand, meaning that they weren't being held by the person's hand, or if it fell down as a result of being cut by the outer part of the blade of the sickle, so in either of those two cases, the harvesting was not done in a regular manner, and therefore those stalks would remain with the owner as they are not considered leket. Now what happens if it's in between? For example, if the stalks were being held, sort of, by his fingertips, or even his fingers, but not his palm. Or the Rosh Hamagal, if the stalk was cut with the tip of the blade, 
of the sickle. So Rabbi Yishmael, I mean, according to Rabbi Yishmael, that is still considered the inner part, and it's still considered grasped by his hand, and therefore Laniyim, it goes to the poor people, because it's still considered basically the regular way of harvesting, even though it's on the borderline, and therefore it would be considered leket. However, Rabbi Akiva, I mean, Rabbi Akiva says, no, this is not considered the regular way of, of, of harvesting. It is generally harvested, literally in the inner, using the inner part of the sickle. And it's usually grasped by the person's palm. And so even though technically his fingers are part of his hand, it is still not the regular way of harvesting. And therefore, the bias, it would remain with the owner, and it is not considered leket, according to Rabbi Akiva. Mishnudalov, what happens if you have a situation where there's a doubt as to whether something is considered leket? Now, in general, there's a very important principle which we apply in cases where there's a doubt as to who owns something. And that principle is called Hamitzmi Chaveyo Olav Haraya. That whoever is trying to take something from somebody else, he is the one who needs to prove that he is entitled to that. Because he is the one who's creating this whole case of doubt. Before he claimed that that thing is his, it was in the other person's possession. So if he is trying to change what was until now, he needs to prove that he is correct. And unless he can prove that he is correct, and that he is entitled to that, then it remains with the other person. So using that principle, logically, if you have a case where there's a doubt as to whether something is leket, since the poor person can't prove that it's leket, it should remain with the balabais, the owner of the field. However, that is not the case. It's uh, from a posuk which says that you should leave for the poor people, and that implies that you should give the poor person something belonging to you. And of course, it doesn't mean that you need to give a poor person something which he's not entitled to at all. Rather, it means if there's a doubt as to whether he's entitled to it, so Tazoyev says the Torah, you should leave it for him and allow him to have it. So this is an exception to the rule of Hamitzimei Chaviru Olov Haraya. And with that introduction, we should be able to understand our Mishnah. Chorihan Amolim. Ant holes. Ant holes are very often full with grain. The ants store lots of grain in their holes. And the question is, who is this grain entitled to? If the ant hole is positioned within the standing grain, meaning before the field has been harvested, then obviously there's no leket there, and therefore all the grain which is in the ant holes belongs to the owner of the field. However, after the harvesters have begun harvesting, even if they haven't completed the harvest, they've just begun, and even if the ant hole is in the area of the field which has not yet been harvested, it's still possible that the ants brought grain from the other half of the field towards there. And therefore, the upper ones, meaning the grain which is found towards the top of the ant holes, that certainly goes to the poor people, because those are the recent grains, and it's very possible that they are leket. But the lower ones, according to the first opinion of our Mishnah, they belong to the owner of the field. Now, although the Mishnah says top and bottom ones, Yerushalmi explains it actually does not depend on the position of the grain, but rather on how ripe they are, what color they are. When the mission says the top ones, it's referring to the white grain, which has been left in the ground for much longer, and it's only recently been harvested, and it's usually found at the top, because it was harvested later. And the bottom ones are the green ones, which were harvested earlier on in their process, earlier on in their growth, and therefore they're usually found at the bottom because they were gathered by the ants earlier. So because they're green, the bottom ones, we assume that they cannot be leket, because they were probably detached from the ground before this recent harvest of the ripe grain, which does include leket. However, Rabbi Meir says, All of the grain in the ha- in the holes goes to the poor people. The reason being that even the green grain, which is at the bottom, it's possible that they came from the harvest which just occurred. Because although the vast majority 
of the grain was white, there are a few stalks which still remain green. And therefore there's a slight possibility that the green ones are still leket, and therefore Meir says, even though it's a very small chance, it still makes this a doubtful case. And when it comes to a doubtful case of leket, or any of the gifts for the poor, the halacha is, like we said, it goes to the poor people, despite the general rule of hamaitzime chavero olav haraya, that the one taking it has to bring the proof. Over here we say that the poor people can take it, even though they cannot prove it, and even though it is a doubtful case. A stack of grain, which underneath the stack, the leket had not yet been collected. Meaning, that the farmer stacked his grain up and placed it on top of the ground in an area where the leket had not yet been collected by the poor people. So now it's been covered by this big stack, and the poor people won't be able to access it. And also, we're not really sure, in general, how much leket there was underneath the stack. And now he's covered it all, and it's been mixed up with his stack of grain. So as a punishment for him stacking up his grain, all of the stalks which are touching the ground to the bottom layer of the stack, that belongs to the poor people, and they get all of that. And the truth is, this applies even if the grains in the stack were different grains to the ones underneath. And therefore you can easily tell what the leket was. Nevertheless, as a punishment, the entire bottom layer is awarded to the poor people. And again, this is because the farmer was in the wrong when he stacked up his grain on top of this area where the poor people had not yet been. Now the Mishnah will bring a case where Leket gets mixed up with the owner's property, but this time it's not the owner's fault. He stacked his grain in an area of the field where there's no more Leket, but then Haruasha Pizra Samarim. If wind spread the bundles, or a few of the stalks which are in the bundles or in the stack, and the wind spread them over an area where Leket had not yet been collected from. So now there's lots of stalks lying around, but not all of them are Leket. So how many can the poor people take? Their answer is, we've got to estimate how much leket there would have been. So, Oimdim saw we estimate for that specific field, Kama leket how much leket it is fitting and it will, will be normal for that field to produce. And we give that to the poor people. Meaning, according to the Tanakama, we base it on each individual field and what type of produce there is there, how dry the produce is, and however much we estimate would have fallen during the harvesting, that's what goes to the poor people. Rameshim ben Gamliel argues, and he says that instead of estimating it based on this specific field and what type of produce is in this specific field, it's impossible to be so exact. Rather, he must give to the poor people the regular amount which falls in an average field. The Gemara explains this as 145th of the harvest, and that would apply across the board. Instead of estimating this specific field, we take the average, and 145th of the crop goes to the poor people as leket. Mishnah Base, because we just discussed a couple of doubtful cases with regards to Leket, we're now going to discuss a doubtful case of Shikha. And we've mentioned once already in this Masechta that there are two types of Shikha. The first type is where one forgets bundles in the field when he brings in all the bundles from the field, so he leaves a couple of bundles in the field because he forgets about them. So the poor people are entitled to those bundles. The other type of Shikha is if he actually forgets to cut them off the ground. He leaves a few stalks unharvested. That is also considered shikha, and that would go to the poor. Now what happens if one harvested part of his field, but there's still shibullah shibakotzer, there's an attached stalk, there's a stalk which is still standing in the ground, and it's shibakotzer. It's in the part of the field which has already been harvested. However, it's very close to the other part of the field, and its tip, if it's bent over, reaches the standing grain, the part of the field which has not yet been harvested. 
So is this store considered forgotten, or do we say, no, it's so close to the part of the field which has not yet been harvested that we can view it as part of that, and therefore it's not classified as forgotten. It just hasn't come to that part of the field yet. So the answer is, if as well as being able to touch the unharvested part, if it can actually be harvested and cut with the standing part, the part of the field which hasn't yet been harvested, meaning he could hold with one hand this grain plus grain from the unharvested part, then then it still belongs to the owner because it's not considered shikha. But if not, if he has to perform two different actions to harvest that stalk plus the unharvested part, then then it would belong to the poor people because it would be shikha. Now to understand the rest of the Mishnah, we need to understand a couple of laws to do with separating maser, separating tithes for produce. One can separate maser from one pile of grain on behalf of another pile, as long as he takes enough of it. So if, for example, he has two piles of grain, which each have a hundred units of grain in each pile, and he needs to take a tenth of each pile for maserishan, for example. So instead of taking ten from each pile, he's able to take twenty from one pile on behalf of both piles. However, this only applies if the pile from which he is separating the maser requires maser to be separated. But if the maser has already been separated from that pile, you cannot use it to separate maserus on behalf of something else which does require maser to still be taken. And this will become clearer through the example which the Mishnah gives. Shibbolah shal leket, a stalk of leket, shunus over by Godish, which got mixed up with a stack of grain. So you've got lots of stalks now, and you know that one of these stalks is leket, but you're not sure which one. Now the poor person is entitled to one stalk. So what's the problem with just giving him a stalk? The answer is that leket is exempt from trumus and maestrus. The leket which a poor person generally gets, he does not need to separate trumus and maestrus from it. But all the other stalks in the pile, they are obligated in trumus and maestrus. So if you were to give him a stalk, then the poor person would need to separate trumus and maestrus from that stalk, and, and he would end up getting less than he should. And therefore the owner himself needs to separate maestrus on behalf of the stalk which he gives the poor person. Now the best way to do this would be to select a stalk from this grain of this stack of grain, and before giving it to the poor person, he should get a stalk from another pile of grain, which requires trumus and maestrus to be taken from them, and separate that stalk as trumus and maestrus on behalf of this stalk, and now this stalk is good, and you can give it to the poor person who can enjoy it for himself. But what happens if you don't have another stack of grain? So you'll have to separate Maestrus from this stack of grain. The problem with that, though, is what happens if the stalk which you're giving to the poor person is not Leket, but the stalk which you choose to separate Trumus and Maestrus on behalf of that stalk is Leket. We said before, the something which is not obligated in Trumus and Maestrus itself cannot be used to separate Trumus and Maestrus on behalf of something else. And therefore, it's not enough just to take one stalk if you're taking it from that same stack of grain. Rather, you would do the following. You would take one stalk, and that would go to the poor person. And in order to make sure you're taking maestrus from that stalk, you would select another two stalks from that pile, and since one of them must not be leket, one of them will certainly work as maaser on behalf of the stalk which is being given to the poor person. So the Mishnah says, He should make one stalk maaser, and then give another stalk to the poor person, like we described. However, Omar Rebeliezer, Rebeliezer said he has a problem with this. How is it that this poor person can exchange something which does not belong to him? 
meaning that very nice, a poor person is getting one stalk, and he is entitled to one stalk, but that's not necessarily the leket stalk, which means that the owner is not allowed to benefit from the rest of the stack of grain, because he's not allowed to benefit from leket, and the stalk which is actually leket is very likely to be in that pile. So how should we solve this problem? We need to make sure that the leket itself goes to the poor person. Rather, he gives over the ownership of the entire haystack to the poor person. Temporarily, at least. And now the poor person owns the entire stack, including the leket. And then, the owner can separate one stalk as maisa on behalf of that other one stalk, which the poor person will keep. Because the poor person then has to return the entire stack except for one stalk. But now this allows the owner to benefit from the stack, because it's no longer considered leket, it's now just a gift from the poor person. Now this mechanism of temporarily giving something to somebody, in this case the owner temporarily gave his entire stack of grain to the poor person, that is known as matono amanas lahachzer, a gift on condition that he gives it back. And legally that is considered a gift, and the poor person is temporarily considered the rightful owner to that stack, but then once he's sorted that out, the ownership reverts back to the original owner.